22 in your Bibles. We'll begin reading in verse number 36, Master, uh, Matthew chapter number 22 and verse number 36. Let's all stand, if we could please, in honor of the Word of God this morning. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please speak to us this morning and help us. I pray that you'd continue to pour out your Spirit upon this place, or do it at the first, Lord, if it hasn't happened yet. I believe we've begun to sense your presence here, but Lord, I pray that you would please give us a full outpouring, if not already. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would anoint this service with power from on high, Anoint this preaching. Lord, please do with it way beyond what I am capable of. I'm just a man. There's no power within me. It has to come from you. And so I pray that you'd speak to us and help us. We pray these things as we ask it in Jesus' name. And amen. You can be seated. Have you ever wrestled with the question, how can you be commanded to love? You know, commandments are not always fun to obey. We demonstrated that from the first time that we understood what mom was saying when she said not to touch whatever that one thing was we weren't supposed to touch. I've watched all of my kids do the same thing. You don't have to teach them to hate commandments. They just hate them all, all by themselves. It's ingrained in us. <clears throat> Told Haddon not to go up the stairs in our first home. He immediately despised that commandment and uh, continued to go up the stairs. Tell the girls not to touch something on the entertainment center and you'd watch them as they'd walk over and, and uh, look behind their shoulder like this and then start to reach out for it. We all despise commandments. It's ingrained in us. We don't like to be told what to do. But then when God tells us to love Him, love is something that has to come from the heart. So how in the world He says that you're supposed to love Him with uh, all of your heart and with all your soul and with all of your mind? But you're commanded to do it. It's really hard to be commanded to love somebody. You ever... You ever had your kids fighting and said, be nice to each other. And then, you know, sometimes you just want to say when they're grumpy, be happy. You know? But it just doesn't work that way. It's hard to tell somebody to be happy and they just decide, all right, I'm going to be happy. Uh, I knew a preacher that would tell his kids um, in, in different situations, if they were just grumpy and upset or if they had just gotten in trouble or whatever, sometimes he'd just stop and he'd say, smile. And they knew, they knew dad's command. If they didn't smile, I guess they were in trouble. I don't know because I'd watch them. It didn't matter what their attitude was. He had a whole slew of kids. I'd watch them. Um, it didn't matter what was going on or whether or not they liked it or not. If he said smile, they'd stand there and they'd force one. Uh, you know, I've never tried that. It wasn't something that I really thought was a good idea, but he did it. 
But we all hate commandments. We, we despise being told what to do. Deep down in the heart of every Christian is a desire to love God, but if we're honest with ourselves, we don't always all feel it, do we? We just don't. We don't always feel like church. We don't always feel like reading our Bibles. We don't always feel like praying. We just, if we're honest, we just don't always. And I'm saying we because I'm including myself in that equation. I, I, I struggle and fight with my flesh just like you do. There are times I don't feel like being real spiritual. So then how in the world do you reconcile the fact that God commanded us to love Him? This started back in the book of Deuteronomy when He gave His people... His first commandments. Let's turn back there and go to Deuteronomy chapter number 6. So if you're not sure where that is, it's the beginning, kind of the beginning of the Bible. Uh, the first book is Genesis, then Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's the fifth book of the Bible. So kind of go back towards the beginning there. Fifth book in, you'll find the book of Deuteronomy. We find it in chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Now, the children of Israel are about to go into the promised land, and God, the first time He speaks these words, He speaks them in Deuteronomy chapter number 6. He begins telling them that these are the commandments that He wants them to follow when they get into the promised land. And He says in verse number 1, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments, judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them <coughs> in the land whither you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God. This is the, uh, the first thing that He tells them, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all His statutes and His commandments. Verse number 3, Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that you may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, and in the land that floweth with milk and honey. He says, if you'll keep these commandments, I'll bless you there. <laughs> and by the way, this is not the message, but it's important to understand why we keep the commandments of God. You don't, we're not required to keep the commandments in order to be saved. God tells us to keep His command, commandments in order to be blessed. If, if, if we try to work our way into heaven, we think we have to keep the commandments to get into heaven. But we can't do enough good things to get into heaven. It's not possible. We're all sinners. It doesn't matter how many good things we do, we've already sinned, already violated the law of God. So when we stand before God, no matter how many good things we do, we've already violated God's law. We will all be guilty. It's like trying to stand before, before a judge and saying, well, I know, you, I know the policeman caught me going 15 miles over the speed limit over here, but um, I didn't do that for the last two years. I kept the law, and I, he's going to say, you know what, but you broke the law here. You're still guilty of breaking the law. It doesn't matter how many times you didn't break it. It doesn't matter how many good things you have done. You did break it in this one instant. Therefore, you are guilty. Same thing is true when we all stand before God. We will all be found guilty. So we don't, we don't keep the commandments in order to go to heaven because none of us are going to be good enough. That's why we need a Savior. He tells them if they keep His commandments that they'll be blessed, they'll increase mightily, and that He will prosper them in the land. Is everybody okay? So we keep God's promises not to go to heaven. We keep God's promises so He will bless us. and We, uh, or we keep His commandments for His blessings. Verse number 5 or verse number 4, excuse me, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. So there's the first time that it's referenced in Scriptures. This is something I have thought on long and hard for years and years and years. How can you be commanded to do something that we often think takes feeling to do? 
Because the moment you're commanded to do it, you often don't feel like it anymore. But this isn't the only time that God commanded things like this. I've been reading through the book of Psalms kind of slowly here recently. And as I go through the book of Psalms, I, I have written down, oh my soul, and I'm sure I haven't caught them all, just dozens upon dozens of passages where God commands His people, tells them to rejoice, to give praise, to give thanks. And I have not yet found one passage where He says, when you feel like it, rejoice. When you feel like it, give thanks. When you feel like it, give praise. I haven't found it yet. And I've been genuinely looking for it. Like for that one time where he says, okay, now this is, this is how you, this is, it just does, he just says to do it. And then we, say, we see in a place, this, this came to my mind some time ago when I was reading through these passages. In 1 Chronicles, when uh, the temple is being set up and the rules for the temple are being described by God, he appoints the Levites. The Levites were a group of of, of men that were chosen by God to do service in the temple, in the tabernacle. So they were to do things like maintenance, and they were to do things like care for the, the tabernacle, while the priests themselves did the ordinances that God had commanded them. So the, one of the commandments of the Levites was that they were, were required to have a group of them. And if I remember, and I could be wrong about this, I'd have to go back and look at it again, but I think there was something like a thousand or so of them at, at first, that were initially commanded to be a part of the praise team, if you want to call it that. They were, they were men of instruments and of music, and they were commanded during certain feasts and, and, and during um, certain sacrifices that while those things were taking place, that the Levites are supposed to, day and night, give praise unto the Lord. Do you suppose there was ever a Levite that was commanded to give praise unto the Lord that didn't feel like it? They're supposed to do it day and night. I mean, that's, that's like telling, you know, okay, you four guys here, next Sunday, you're giving praise to the Lord. Well, that's, that's kind of hard. Okay, and then the next Sunday, you four girls here, you're giving praise to the Lord. When you tell them to do it, it's kind of like, okay, how do I do that from my heart? Because you're telling me to do it. So I can do it, but coming from my heart is a different story. So I've been thinking on these things and been doing some study on it. There are things in the Bible we're commanded to do, and then there are some things we're commanded to do which include our heart. Things like what we've referenced, to praise Him, to fear Him, to love Him. These areas are often areas of our lives that are filled with emotion and feeling when we have them naturally towards others. Uh, we, we, we love others somewhat naturally at times. It comes from a real feeling of our heart. When you have fear, it is filled with feeling. My wife and I are not great roller coasters. We don't do that a whole lot. When we were younger, we used to enjoy that roller coaster riders. We are, that didn't make any sense. We're not great roller coasters. I would hope not. Um, but when, when I was younger, we used to love to ride roller coasters. My wife did as well. As we've gotten older, our bodies just don't take to that like they used to. We get headaches and stuff like, like that a lot faster. But um, one thing I love to do, I, if, if we go to an amusement park that has one of these things, I love doing those, I don't know what else to call them, but drop towers. Now, I don't want to bungee jump. I don't want to skydive. 
but put me on one of those towers that has a seat where you're strapped in and take me to the top. And there's something terrifying about it that I also love. It's, it's the weirdest thing. I don't understand it. But I'm scared to death of it, and still I enjoy doing it. And so I talked my wife into going up with me once. And we, go to the, we get to the top of this thing. I can't remember if it was Kings Island or Cedar Point or what it was. But we get to the top of this thing, and it's, it, it gets to the top, and then it, and then it like latches in. You know, and I don't know how a couple hundred feet up or whatever, how many feet up it was. And, you know, so you think you're going to drop and you don't. And it stops. And then they started spinning it. And as they started spinning it before they dropped us, we both started crying out in fear. <laughs> Genuinely, like, oh, dear. I mean, you're, I, I don't remember what I said. You know, but um, there was this maniacal laughter and fear all at the same time, I think. And, and, and my wife, I don't remember. But we were saying things. And... That's natural fear. It's flowing from the inside, right? It's, it's an emotion. We got down safely, and I loved it, and she said she'd never do it again. Um, but I loved it so much, I haven't done it in years. So that tells you a little bit of something, too. We consider fear a feeling. We consider love a feeling, and they are. They were also told to praise the Lord, and that is often considered to be an outpouring of our feelings. But when we're commanded to do it, it's, just a, it's a totally different equation. So if the problem is that we've been commanded to do something that is also a feeling and an emotion, how in the world do we pull that off and do it from our hearts? Is everybody okay? After a little study, I believe maybe we'll get some help from the Lord here. Let's look at it in Deuteronomy chapter number 6. How do we love the Lord at all times if we don't feel like it? How do we praise the Lord at all times if we don't feel like it? How do we go to church at all times if we don't feel like it? How do we read our Bibles if we don't feel up to it? How do we kneel and pray if we don't really want to? How do we come to church when we wake up and we're tired and our flesh is fighting us and saying, man, don't do it this morning. Just stay home, stay warm, watch some football. By the way, I think the schools are off with snow, so it's probably okay to stay home from church. We'll find all kinds of reasons why not to do things when our heart is not in it? So, when God commands us to do these things, how do we pull this off and make our heart a part of it? A couple of thoughts. If it is a command, then we have control of our heart and soul and mind. When God says, Thou shalt love Him with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind, if he commands for it to be done, then it must mean that we have control of it. If, he, if it was all about waiting for the feelings to come, then we would have no control over it. But if love is commanded to us, if praise is commanded to us, if faithfulness is commanded to us, then he says to do it from our heart, then if we're to do it from our heart, then that means that we have control of our heart, we have control of our soul, we have control of our mind. Would you please turn your Bible to Proverbs chapter number 23. Keep your places there in Deuteronomy, but look at Proverbs chapter number 23. We're going to come back to Deuteronomy, but I want you to look at this. This may turn into a series. I've been praying about whether the Lord would have me to do it all at once, and I don't think we're even going to come close. Let's look at Proverbs chapter number 23 and look at, before I say a verse and ask you to backtrack, let me to consider this. Look at verse number 15. 
Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 15. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice even mine. By the way, young people, this is not the message or, or the point to the message here in this case, but um, you, what you do for God affects the heart of your parents. The way that you live your life affects the heart of your parents. You live in sin, it affects their heart. You live for God, it affects their heart. I know a lady who I believe, and many believe, died of cancer within just a couple of months because her son was away from God and had a horrible accident and nearly lost his life. And he survived, but with great deformities and uh, mental problems. And she died a couple months later with cancer, having never shown any signs of any of those things. I believe that it affects your parents physically as much as it does emotionally. My son, if thine heart be wise, my, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Look at verse number 17. He says, if thine heart be wise. And then he says in verse number 17, let not thine heart envy sinners. So he tells him to control his heart and not to envy sinners, right? But be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Look at verse number 19. Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and what? And what? Guide thine heart. Do you see that? In the way. Okay. In one place he says, let not thine heart envy sinners. In another place he says, guide thine heart in the way. According to the book of Proverbs, we have control over our heart. If you would, please stay in that passage. And I forgot about this one. Look at verse number 12. He says, apply thine heart unto what? Instruction. We see, according to Proverbs chapter number 23, that we have control over our heart. In verse number 26, he says, my son, give me what? Thine heart. Give me thine heart. All right, so let's see if we have this figured out here. Our heart can be guided. Our heart can be applied. Our heart can be given. Our heart can be kept. Our heart can be guarded. Our heart can be controlled. Our heart is the seat of our emotions and our feelings. We have control of our heart. When He commands us to love Him with all of our heart, and because it's commanded, what He's saying is, you can control your heart's desires and you can control your heart's direction. And I am commanding you to control the direction of your heart to always love me. Is everybody okay? God commanded husbands to love our wives. He doesn't command us to wait for our feelings for her to be faithful to her. Well, I'm going to wait until I feel like being faithful to her before I am faithful to her. I actually had a man tell me that not long ago, that God gave me these feelings to want women, so if I want another woman other than my wife, I have to follow those feelings because God gave them to me. No, God didn't give those feelings to you. That feeling is a feeling of your flesh and of sin. The, the, these things that come from our heart, we're, we're to keep because out of it 
are the issues of life. In other words, your entire heart or your entire life will be controlled by your heart. And therefore, we need to control the direction of our heart. God commands us to love our wives. He doesn't tell us to wait until we feel like it. He tells us to do it. We may not like hearing that we are commanded to love God with all of our heart, soul, and might, but I bet if I asked every wife in this room who doesn't want a divorce, I said that jokingly, <laughs> but maybe somewhat seriously for some. We may not like to be told that we are to love God and that it's a commandment, but I can almost guarantee that uh, if you are married in this room, you feel very differently about it when it comes to your husband being commanded to love you. We want him to control himself. None of the ladies are saying amen. It's not really normally a ladies thing, I guess, but it's true, isn't it? We expect our husband to control himself. We want that. We desire it for our spouse to control themselves. It's a commandment when it comes to our spouses, and we know that we desire that in our direction, that they just do it, that they just be faithful to it. And the same should and can be applied concerning our love towards God. And by the way, later on he says that he speaks on these things concerning the church when he told husbands to love their wives. In other words, he's also making a parallel to how we should behave towards him as Christians. Is everybody okay? The truth is we can convince ourselves that we love somebody and we are told to do exactly that. We can convince ourselves. Matter of fact, I've seen some ladies uh, that were beautiful ladies marry some guys that looked like trolls and wondered how in the world did that happen? What is the deal? He looked like he just crawled out from underneath a bridge. <laughs> like, why? Why did this happen? You ever look at some, some couple on Facebook and go, what? <laughs> Come on, we all do it. If you don't, you're more spiritual than I am, which is very possible. Man, there, sometimes you look at a picture and go, how, oh, how did that happen? You can convince yourself that you love somebody and carry it for the rest of your life. And some people do. Some people do it because of money, but some people do it because they've convinced themselves. Y'all are quiet this morning. I'm trying. I'm really trying. Men that have reached the higher echelons of the military. I've read books by Navy SEALs and Army Rangers and men that are in the Special Forces, and they often say motivation is a lie. They often say to be good and successful at something, you can't rely on motivation. You have to rely upon discipline. Isn't that something? Here's a quote I read from one of them recently, an Army Ranger sniper. He said, forget the motivation lie. It comes and goes. Only by discipline are good habits made. And those good habits applied consistently over time will change your life. He's saying don't rely on your feelings because motivation comes and goes. If you want to be consistent at something, you have to be determined and consistent by discipline, not by feeling. God commanding it proves that it's controllable. Is everybody okay? 
The kind of love we're commanded to have is a sincere love, not in word or in tongue only, but in deed. It's supposed to be sincere. The kind of love that we are told to have is a strong love. He's told to, he tells us to love Him with all of our might. The kind of love that we're supposed to have is a singular love where it belongs only to God and above all things and to love nothing or nobody else beside Him. The kind of love we're told to have for God is an intelligent love. To have it with all of our heart, soul, and mind. We don't do it based on our feelings. We do it based on our knowledge of Him. The kind of love that we are told to have for God is an entire love. It is all of our, all of our affections, all of our will, and it all must run towards Him and no other place. That's the kind of love that He commands of us. So how do we do that? Well, I guess I'm going to give you one point this morning because that was all introduction. There are steps that will help us control and guide our heart. Are you with me? Amen. Steps that will help us accomplish this. So let's go back to the original commandment, Deuteronomy chapter 6, shall we? Back to the original commandment in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now stay with me. I think we'll just get through one this morning. and Maybe I'll finish through, uh, some of it tonight. Maybe it'll be a multi-week series. I'll pray about this, what the Lord would have us to do. I know we want to love God. I believe it's the desire of every Christian that is placed there by the Holy Spirit. If you've been saved by Jesus Christ, you have a desire to love God. We just don't always feel it, right? So I want to try to help you. How in the world do we do this then? If we're commanded to do it, we're supposed to do it daily. If we're supposed to praise God and we're supposed to do it daily. If we're supposed to fear God and we're supposed to do it daily. If we're supposed to worship God and we're supposed to do it daily. How in the world do we do things we're commanded to do if our heart is also supposed to be in it? Let's go to the original commandment. So we see it in Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Look at verse number 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And look at verse number 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. That's also a command that accompanies verse number 5. Are you with me? Steps that will help us control and guide our heart. Number one, meditation upon God's Word. The more time we spend reading and meditating on God's Word, the more our hearts will be guided into a, a proper love for Him. If you find yourself struggling to love God, what he's telling us is that we need to bury these things in our hearts and consider them and meditate upon them and think about them. In other words, as a soldier would keep a love letter from his girlfriend or his wife and read it from time to time, so we should read the Word of God to refresh our love for Him. My wife wrote me a note on our first Sunday here and placed it on my desk. I don't know if she knows that I have it still, but I keep it. It says something like, I love you with all of my heart, and a couple of other points about how to preach to you all. <laughs> I'll let you determine what those points may have been. She might know a little something about me. I keep it, and... Every now and then, I'll pull it out and read it. And when I do, the more I think on those words, the more I love her. Every now and then, I'll, I'll pull out of my... I found one. I don't know if it was a fresh note or something from, I don't know, some time ago. But I found one in my Bible a few days ago. 
I opened it up and it just said something along the lines of how much she loves me. And I don't know if I, I don't I don't know if that's been sitting there for a long time, but I got the feeling it had just been placed there recently. And if it, if it hasn't been, honey, just tell me it has been, okay? But um, soldiers would sit on the battlefield and read the same letter over and over and over again to remind themselves of the one that they loved. God says, "I command you." to love me with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. He says, look, I want you to meditate on them. I want you to consider them. I want you to read them. The things that I'm telling you, I don't want you to forget them. He tells us that meditation upon these things will make a difference. If if you're having a hard time loving God, stop every now and then and remind yourself of the things that He has said to you. Stop and consider the things that He has done for you. Meditate on the fact that He saved your soul from hell and that you won't have to sniff an ember of it when you die. Consider the fact that He sent His only begotten Son to die for you, which means that that's how valuable that you are to Him. Consider these things. Meditate on the things that you know to be true. Meditation, burying things in our heart that we know to be true, and drawing them back up from time to time will refresh our love for God. If you're struggling to stay in love with God, make sure that you meditate on the things that you know to be true that you meditate upon His words, that you meditate upon His promises, that you meditate upon what He has done, upon His many great blessings. Make sure that you stop every now and then and truly think about it and truly consider it and allow yourself to be reminded of the love that He has for you. The Bible says in the book of 1 John that we love Him because He first loved us. Right? We love somebody when we know they genuinely love us. Right? When you're convinced of it, my soul, how can you not love them back? That's why so many people love their dumb dogs when other people don't. Dog jumps on somebody when they come to visit, and you're like, oh, no, he's fine. He won't bite you. <laughs> you know, I mean, everybody says that. He doesn't bite. You know, Everybody that's ever been bitten was also told that he doesn't bite. You know? um, <laughs> but the reason that you love that dog is because that dumb dog loves you back. Loyal friend, right? Come and sit next to you and rub or butt. We had a dog that would butt its head up against you. I don't know what that means. But, um, but you know, it shows its affection. You can tell. I was watching on the way home the other day. I just happened to, to I don't remember where I was driving from, but I was driving home, and I, I just happened to look over uh, to my right and saw some guy getting out of his car next to his trailer and some big old white dog. He's getting out of his vehicle to go inside coming home from work it looks like, and some big old white dog has come running around the side of the car, and I can see him standing here, and he can hear the dog, I think, but he can't see it. And I can see him standing on this, on the front of the car, looking around like this, and the dog's tail is just a wagon, and he's so excited, and he's bounding around to the other side of the car, and you could tell they were so excited to see each other. The reason why you love those crazy things when nobody else does, because they express their love to you, and they make it clear. And every now and then we need to remind ourselves of how much God loves us 
in order for our love to be refreshed. Is everybody okay? Man, I'd love to give you another one. I don't know, Lord, are we done here? I didn't prepare the message to end at that point. But I think it's important for us to remember that we do have control of our heart. And when God tells us to love Him with all of our heart, when God tells us to praise Him at all times, day and night, to rejoice in Him, to praise Him, to give Him thanks, when He commands things that normally flow from our heart, then that must mean we can control our heart. And the first thing that we need to do when our love grows cold is to meditate upon His commands, His words, and bury them in our heart. Walk with God. Pull out His letter. Remind yourself of the things that He says and the things that He does. And it will be pretty hard to not love Him. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that You would please help us to fall back in love with You as we should. Help us to recognize Your great love for us. Lord, help us to meditate on Your Word and have our love refreshed by the power of Your Word and Your great and precious promises. With heads bowed and eyes